Thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Jeremy, how's it going? Fantastic. Uh, got through Thanksgiving, um, trying to get ready for Christmas. You cannot shop early enough. It's it seems crazy every year. It's crazier. Oh my god! Yeah, so. tell me about it. Like you know, it's I'm waiting for the day when my two daughters they grow enough so they understand all the components of online shopping, and then <laughs> I'm gonna go broke. <laughs> exactly. Well, today's a fantastic day. We actually have another guest on our podcast today, um, Randy Frisch from Uberflip. So Randy is actually the co-founder, CMO, and president of Uberflip. And actually, they're hiring. So if anybody's interested, um, uh, you know, go ahead and check them out. So Randy actually wears multiple hats. He's basically involved with strategy, operations, marketing, sales, talent management, corp dev, execution, um, content experience. Basically, Randy does a lot of stuff. And basically, um, I don't know how you get any sleep so welcome randy thanks so much thanks uh i actually have i have three kids too so between all of that um <laughs> but to be honest i mean the stuff i love doing is marketing so you know the other stuff is part of of a business that's growing at a very high pace which you know we're really fortunate to be part of here and uh you know i love doing it so it's you know it's my uh it's my other family i guess right it's fantastic. It's, Samir and I are definitely, um, we geek out over this stuff too, and we're happy to have somebody as passionate on. So let's start off from the beginning. Tell us kind of, you know, who you are, if I haven't explained that just yet, if you want to do a little new flavor to it. But also, what's Uberflip? You know, throw in that little uh, spiel for you guys. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so who I am, I'm, I, I always like to say I'm a passionate guy about marketing. And, uh, it's funny. My kids, I mentioned earlier, they, they asked me recently what I wanted to be when I was a kid growing up because, <laughs> you know, they, they still want to be, you know, one of them wants to be a hockey player. The other one wants to be an actual car. Um, you know, which is, you know, still great that he has that aspiration to become a car. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I remembered back and I, you know, the, the furthest back I can remember other than I probably also wanted to be a hockey player as a Canadian, I wanted to be kidding. And now back then it was a very different goal. I, I wanted to do, you know, TV ads and, you know, billboards and like Super Bowl ads were so cool to me. But I mean, I think that was a different time, right? That, that was marketing to us, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even. Um, and, and I think along the way, I, you know, I found my way into, you know, the ability for marketers to kind of hack away at the things that they like to do without being overly technical. So I'm a non-tech founder. Um, I've got a really strong co-founder who's very product and tech focused. I love technology. I just don't know how to build technology or code for the web. And I think a lot of marketers are still out there like that who want to do all those creative things. And I think in a, in a big way that that defines me. And you know, to your question in terms of what Uberflip is, Uberflip is an extension as a result of, of what I wanted, which was I nice. was starting to deal with these challenges of how do I take all the expectations uh, of me as a marketer, uh, which were quite often, how do I take 
all the content and the messaging being created by my company. How do I get it onto our website? How do I get it into our marketing campaigns? You know, these days, how do I even get it into the hands of sales reps? And how do I do so in a way that we can actually personalize to the different people we interact with as a business on a day-to-day basis? And that's that's what Uberflips become. We we call that the content experience. It's it's not just the content marketing you create, but how do people consume that? How is it packaged up for them? That's great. That's, uh, that, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I saw your little two-minute video on, on your website and. Uh, very good video, very easy explanation of kind of what Uberflip does and that whole experiencing with a rocket. Great stuff. Yeah, we'll add it to yeah. the show notes so everyone can have a look at it as well. Absolutely. I, you know, it's it's fine. We've always embraced that that rocket ship as as this idea of how do you how do you actually take everything you've got and how do you allow it to take off and how do you grow and and all the the things that are tied to that. And yeah, you know, sometimes we actually we rally a, a lot around the space theme and. You know, some of the analogies that we'll use even in the content marketing space are things like, you know, and think back to, you know, us getting to space as, as humans in the first place. I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty amazing that we conquered that, right? And I think sometimes we, you know, then find ourselves in these new challenges with space that we, you know, we feel so overwhelmed about, but we forget about what we accomplished in the first place to get there, right? And it's, you know, take Apollo yeah. as a great example, right? I mean, that movie yeah. is about the challenges and disasters of what was happening up there, but we forget about how amazing it was that they just got there in the first place. And I think, you know, one of the things that we look at is, you know, it's amazing to think that marketers have figured out how to become content creators. Um, you know, that was, that was something five or 10 years ago, other than like product marketing assets, we weren't thinking about that. We weren't expected to be journalists, if you will, internally. And, and a lot of us figured that out. And that was a huge undertaking and kind of like getting to space. It's, it's brought us new challenges, right? Now, how do we take all that content? We figured yeah. out how to, how to, you know, mass for our company and using it, use it in a very meaningful manner. Now that's fantastic. I think, uh, the whole content journey, it's just very exciting. Like you were saying earlier, Randy is the production of content has moved from people who are typically, uh, more the journalists, more the technical side of things to more mainstream, specifically with marketer jumping on and producing content across different formats. So it's not just a volume, it's a variety of varsity, like all of that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just fascinating. So we're, we're in kind of the same boat. So having said that, uh, one of the things that I'm always curious about, you know, trying to understand when I look at a marketing technology space and I look at all these different platforms that are popping up, uh, one of the curiosity that sparks in me is to understand what kind of differentiates you guys like how is uber flip different and what are the pain points or the challenges that you guys help solve for marketers yeah no absolutely that's a great question i mean a lot of us have seen martech landscapes like that of scott brinker and scott's a super bright guy if you know him or if you've ever interacted with them but big fans of scott so yeah but at at the same (laughs) time like that landscape or literally walking the aisles of his martech conference is just overwhelming to a marketer right and it's you know to me it's it's very overwhelming to think like where do i even start even if i had the biggest budget in the world to go buy everything how am I going to actually go implement all this stuff? And I think, you know, where I kind of expect, first off, just, you know, to answer your question, like a, a shakeout, if you will, with all this MarTech, 
is it's going to start to be about the stuff that works nicely together, right? And, you know, that's always been our mindset here at Uberflip is how do we, how do we build something that actually intertwines with the rest of the MarTech stack? And we, you know, we are by no means a solution for everything, but we're also a solution that very much acknowledges that there are other other problems that we're trying to solve as marketers and how yep. can we aid into that? So, you know, within that and, you know, it's funny, I actually remember I, I got an email from Scott Brinker at one point. It was probably one of his mass emails, but, and, and all of a sudden it was, I think it was like a year ago. It was like, this is the new tech stack for this year. And all of a sudden it looked much simpler and I got really excited at first. And then I realized he had just <laughs> essentially zoomed into one of the quadrants. Right? Like, <laughs> nice. And I was like, oh, Man, are you kidding me? That's like literally just content marketing. Um, and that's obviously why I, it caught my eye. We were in there, but there was a lot of other solutions in there. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that I've kind of observed over the last few years is, is that there's a lot of confusion in that content marketing, but, uh, absolutely. Bucket, right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of times that people call us and they're like, okay, we're looking at, Uberflip, and we're also looking at Capos, and we're also looking at NewsCred, and you know what's the you know how do we differentiate from that? How are you, you know, different? Like, yeah. And I'm like, actually, like I love those guys. Like I I love the founders there. I love you know the product that they built, and in fact, we integrate with some of those companies. And I think where the confusion comes, believe it or not, is is actually on the term content marketing. Now, like if you know, humor me for a second. Let's go back in a, sure. in a you know, spaceship or time time. Uh, Time warp, you know, five, 10 years ago. And there were, oh. there guy, there were guys like, you know, Joe Paluzzi, who was out there for Content Marketing Institute, and he was preaching the importance of us becoming storytellers and using content to educate the audiences that we yep. engage with. And, you know, companies, you know, B2B companies, B2C companies realized, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. And all of a sudden they said, okay, we have to do content marketing. And when they said we have to do content marketing, what they really interpreted that as was we have to create content, right? We have to start, you know, whether they define that as, you know, writing a blog post every day or every week, you know, you know, getting involved in video marketing as it became more popular. You know, there was that, you know, fun infographic phase that everyone was doing. Yeah, I mean, it's all yeah. various assets that we all said, I've got to do that. And, and when you look back, you know, usually when there's a huge takeoff of a new buzzword or huge new way of, of going to market uh, for us as marketers, what happens is uh, a combination of people, process, and technology come to solve that. So um, if, if you guys are good with it, I can break down what I kind of think happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So uh, on, the, on the people side, the first thing that happened was companies said, okay, we need content marketing, we are going to hire content marketers. And as soon as they define that job title, that person's job in many cases, and no offense to those content marketers who are going to be more full stack marketers than what I described now, but yep. the, their job was to create, you know, to be blog writers, to, uh, you know, to be content editors, you know, that was the original job scope or job responsibility for the content marketer. And, and for a lot of organizations, that's still, I think, today how we define those people. We expect them to create content. 
the next piece of that was process. It's like, how are we going to create all this content? I mean, like media companies had years and decades to grow themselves to become the type that could, you know, churn out high quality content on a day to day basis. So that was really tricky. And to kind of match all that from a technology piece. And I, I always love this people process technology framework. I think it's a, it's a nice way to think the technology piece that rounded that out were companies like Capost who do a great job at helping you, uh, you know, with your workflow to create content, um, as well as companies say like NewsCred or Skyward or, or um, Contently, uh, who help us with actually sometimes sourcing content. Like we may not have enough content. I mean, there was yep. even companies like Curata who helped us with curating content that we didn't own, but that we wanted to help, you know, fill the gaps with. So all of a sudden, this term content marketing started to take shape very quickly, but it was very narrowly focused on the idea of how, how do we create content? You know, how do we organization go and publish content on a day-to-day -day basis? And, uh, you know, the, the part that my co-founder and I kind of predicted was, you know, going back to our spaceship analogy of getting to space and then getting to an, another problem is we figured out how to create content which was great. But eventually when we got there, we were going to have a whole other problem, which is what do we do with it all? Right? Like, nice. yeah. you know, we, we said, we'll get to a point where people will be like, Oh my God, I got like thousands of blog posts. Yeah, too much I've content. got, yeah, it, it's like, and what do I do with it next? So, I, you know, what, this brings up a lot of things. And, and I buzzed on this word that you said a few times, integration. Um, so Samir and I have, have focused on, um, this word integration over the past year or so, and, and both of us have a, attended MarTech, and you know, I, I've also spoken at MarTech about this whole idea around data fragmentation, data integration, having that personalized experience from the same buyer persona across a journey, and so on. But then, when you talk about you know other companies that you work with, and you use the word integration, how does that integration work? Because if you're a marketer and you're sitting there trying to think. Okay, Uber Flip, looking at it, this is pretty badass, right? I gotta, I, I gotta bring them on board, but I don't want them to live in a silo. I don't want them to live in this whole siloed data where it's now fragmented data that doesn't connect with anything else or, you know, systems that don't connect. How do you approach this whole idea of integration when you speak to marketers who are looking to buy Uber Flip? Yeah, sure. I, so it's funny. In the early days, we actually, uh, I'll give my, my co-founder, Yo, some credit for this. He started to use a word, not just integration sometimes, but also outtegration. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, the idea of in and out. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what we first meant by integration. For us, the original integration was the idea of how do we bring content into our platform so that okay. marketers could manage it. Um, so in the early days, we just focused on what were the most common places that people were storing their content or publishing their content? Uh, so the obvious things were things like, you know, their blog, which was maybe living in WordPress kind of isolated on its own, or, you know, some people were using other CMSs for that, but, you know, WordPress was a common one. Uh, you know, we had other people who were leveraging platforms like SlideShare, um, you know, where, yep. where they had a lot of presentations living on there. We I was had one of those, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I know there's a big revolt these days over people who uh, who are sad as to what's happened to SlideShare, but yep. you know, it, it had its heyday. Um, and uh, you know, beyond there, you know, we can go into all the different buckets: social, you know, content that we post to Facebook, Instagram posts. Um, you know, we even got you know we had a solution in the early days to help suck in all your PDFs, convert them to a better format for you. So the the first thing that we realized was if we were going to help people manage all that content that they had, we had to make it really easy for them to aggregate it, bring it all together. So it became very important for us to understand what were the, the solutions that people had that they were using the most and how could we centralize that for them. Once we did that though, and, and, and we kind of were stumbling into this as we were defining our strategy and our vision. This was very early on. We, we started the company in 2012. Um, we, we realized that, okay, aggregating content's important to these people, but the reality is, is the content marketer was going to need to work within their organization. They were going to have to work with other, uh, other parties like the demand gen group, uh, the digital marketing group, you know, the social media group. And I'll get to how those all play in. But for a lot of those people, it was, how do I now send that content out? Right. Or how do I take insights that happen as people engage in that content and pass it out? into say my uh you know marketing automation platform so I'm, I'm jumping around a bit here but the idea was we we started to to view uberflip as being the real you know way to manage your content but also put out these amazing experiences that could deliver real feedback actual leads and insights as to what people were engaging in Got it. Okay. So, uh, so that's interesting. So basically you're, you're not just, you're not one of those guys that are like, Hey, we're going to help you create more content. But essentially what you're doing is you're going to facilitate the content to create the better experiences and tell better stories. Right. Is that a good, good read of what you're dead on? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny even today how many people we speak to who at first say, you know what, I don't think we have that much content, right? Like we, we really have to, you know, increase the amount of content we're creating or we haven't, you know, created something in a while. And a, a lot of the time I challenge people on that, but I, I, I understand where they're coming from because what, what a lot of us do is that we take our content and we publish it. Let's take our blog as an example. And it lives on our blog in most likely a chronological list of content, right? Like, you know, our latest content is on the top, the last post we did. And the post that we did three months ago for creating content on a regular basis, it's living like on page like 17 at this point, right? And, and I would challenge you to think, okay, other than, you know, organic SEO, which is very important, those who are engaging with you and those who are searching for content on your site, are they really going to go digging down to page 17? It's probably as likely as them going to page 17 of a Google result, right? Um, and, you know, even if you say, okay, well, yes, SEO and, and organic is really important. You know, I, I, I don't disagree at all. I, I think that's actually a, a very important way reason to do it. But people do come to our sites at times and they want to learn and they want to engage um, or we send them into into campaigns, but then we, we kind of send them into part of that journey versus the start of the journey or the middle of the journey, depending on where they are. So, you know, think of another way we organize content on our sites. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will, will be guilty of this. A lot of us are, don't worry, which is you go to your <laughs> website 
and you probably have like say like a resources tab or or a knowledge base you know but it's more about thought leadership and you're probably organizing content by format like all of our webinars are found here all of our infographics are here all of our ebooks are under this you know tab but When's the last time you went to a website yourself and said, okay, I'm going to figure out what this company does by watching webinars or by reading ebooks? No, more so you say, okay, I'm going to this company's site and I have a problem. Help mm-hmm. me understand and help me navigate this problem. So yep. a lot of us are probably marketers listening to this. Uh, maybe our problem is I need more leads. Or I need to understand attribution of my leads, you know, and imagine if you could actually line up the content the way they actually expect to consume it. The, the, yeah. the best example, you know, to, to take into our day to day. Um, and I spoke about my kids earlier. I, I like talking about them because I, I think they're so innocent and pure in terms of how they view things now is like they do not understand how to watch cable television. Right. It just does not make sense to them that they have to watch a show at a certain time when it comes on and that when it's over, they have to navigate what we used to love in that. Remember that guide that comes up on the screen? Like that was the most amazing thing 20 years ago when it came out. Now they're like, I don't know how to use this thing. They want that Netflix like it's on demand. Yeah. They want (laughs) demand and, and don't even ask me to think about what I want next figure out what I want next and serve that up for me. So as soon as, I mean, I, I'm not going to subject you to to what my kids are watching. Uh, but, you know, if, if I'm watching Stranger Things right now, right, you know, figure out as soon as I'm done that I may like, you know, Black Mirror, right? Um, or I may like something else that's got a bit of a sci-fi yeah. feel to it. And, yeah. and I think what we sometimes forget as marketers, whether it's B2B or whether it's B2C, is that that is what our audience are, audiences are expecting from us. They want that infinite scroll of content. And if we don't give yeah. it to them, I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll just go to LinkedIn or they'll go to Twitter or they'll go to Facebook because all those social platforms have mastered that science of delivering that binging style content that just feeds one to the next to the next. And I don't know about you guys. Like I like LinkedIn for my content. Yep. Usually I'll go there. I'll be like, you know what? I'll spend five minutes here. And my five minutes easily turns into 20 because I just want to scroll a little bit more. I just want to see the next yeah, post. No, uh, yeah, 100% yeah, that's, that's agree. great. Uh, so that's kind of, let's take it let one level down, Randy. So one of the things, uh, you know, you, you talked a lot about, your company, you talked like how you guys are solving uh, one of the biggest challenges that's out there today from the content space, which is making content more usable and more engaging and generating more experiences. Uh, would you mind walking us through a specific example? Let's take one of your customer and kind of, you know, walk through where was the state before they talked to you? What do you guys did for them? And then what happened when you guys implemented your solution and, uh, your, your, your product basically? He's yeah, putting you in the spotlight sure, absolutely. here. Just I, so you know. know. It's, <laughs> no, it's not good. I, I love this stuff. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I always – it's funny. I often struggle between uh, should I give my own example of what we're doing with our own marketing team or do I give customers? I may jump back and forth. But, um, you know, the first thing is is that we're not 
Um, and no, no, nothing against solutions out there that are a point solution, but we're much more of a platform. And, you know, to me, the difference between the two is point solutions usually address a very specific problem, use them time and time again for that problem, right? Um, you know, video marketing platforms are an amazing point solution, right? We need a video platform. You know, if you use a solution like Vidyard or Wistia or Brightcove, great point solutions that help us deliver video marketing, right? Um, but, you know, we're more of a platform that, that can be used for a whole bunch of different ways that, that content gets packaged up or that people experience content. So let's start with the one that I was I was talking about. Um, there's a, a company called Workfront. I don't know if you guys know those guys. Great company. Uh, they help with... Uh, productivity and workflows yep. of uh, within an organization. Yeah. And one of the problems that they had was actually just having a central repository for all that content on their homepage, right? Um, they called that section of their homepage the resources page. And what they wanted to do is, as we touched on, was stop organizing content by format or stop putting content uh, in, in more of like a uh, chronological way and start to organize it by the topics and problems that their persona is actually identified with. And the beauty is, is they were able to ingest all those formats of content we talked about, their blogs, their ebooks, their webinars, what have you, and then have the tools to, you know, through a combination of kind of, uh, art and science, if you will, uh, you know, manually say these are some streams of content that we want by saying, okay, I want these 10 different assets, regardless of format under one stream, and then have another stream so that if you go to their site, um, you can actually see some of the different breakdowns of content that you can very easily navigate as an end user. Now, the beauty is if they decide in the afternoon that something is trending um, in their in their area, then they can very quickly spin up a new stream without getting developers involved, engineers involved, um, things like that. And, you know, they actually, they did a great case study for us at an event recently where they talked about saving seven hours of, of developer time per week. You know, that was just, you know, some of the efficiency they got. But in terms of, uh, you know, the increase they saw from an SEO perspective, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the increases that they had from a lead gen perspective, which I can talk about as well. Um, and there's a lot of different examples like that. I mean, that's, that's the example of I want something on my WWW that people are going to link to. But another, another, uh, example that we've seen a couple of times, one was done by a company called 3M. A lot of us probably think of like scotch tape, you know, that stuff. Um, uh, and the same type of case happened with a company called Fortinet. Now, both of those companies had kind of their, their day to day repository for content. Um, but in, in, uh, Fortinet's world, there was actually their, their kind of internet security. There was some cyber attacks going on kind of across the world and they were actually able to pull together a, uh, home for content tied to how to deal with these ransomware attacks that day. Like literally the day hit, they pumped out content and they packaged it out in a concise one place to go experience. With 3M, they had the same type of problem. Um, there were some tragic uh, fires uh, happening in Fort McMurray a couple of years ago. And same thing, they were able to go with their uh, safety division. They were able to package up content to help 
first responders and you know the administrative staff getting products out with the right solutions of how to cope under those situations. And I think those are the things that we forget is the need to find content and serve it up in the moment at the right time is is just so important today. That's fantastic. Now, great examples. I think for our listeners, it's very important to realize that Uberflip is not only a solution that provides you a platform to host your content and organize it in one location, but also to be able to present the content in meaningful journeys. Uh, So that's great. Jeremy, you want to go for the next? Yeah. 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 I I was going to jump in with just one other cool thing that that, that's happening these days. That I, I'm, I saw some of the other guests that you guys have on this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I saw one you guys had with Matt Hines, who I love. Yeah, he's and uh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are also talking about this other big buzzword these days, which is ADM, right? Um, which is you know, for those less aware, account-based yep. marketing. How do we win the accounts that we should win, right? How do yep. we target those accounts and go after them? And uh, the, the beauty is when you think about targeting those accounts, I think a lot of us these days, you know, we say we just got ABM'd, right? At least that's what I always say, where like something arrives at my <laughs> desk it. and it's like, you know, it's become a verb, right? Um, yes. but, but the, the other way to, to target people, especially, you know, maybe it's even your tier two accounts, um, where you can do something more on masses is delivering them, you know, packaged content. That's really suited to them. Um, and there's a, another customer of ours. Uh, we do this ourselves all the time, but uh, a company called Alacadia, great, great solution. Mm-hmm. Um, another yep. Canadian company yeah, like me. Uh, nice. They're awesome. Uh, really smart marketers there too. And what Matt does over there is he actually builds targeted streams of, of content for each account. Now, He'll do it sometimes for the account, uh, where he'll, you know, very easily get their logo up on, on a, on a dedicated page. Underneath that is handpicked pieces of content that, that he believes will help that account buy in. It could be case studies of similar types of, uh, you know, ways that they've helped other customers. It could be articles, you know, for the different buyers. Because one of the things that we have to remember, one of my favorite stats these days, or sad stats, I guess, depends how you look at it, is, you know, CEB, now part of Gartner, has told us that 6.8 people are weighing into the valuation of, of a purchase. Right. I mean, it's it, we're not selling one to one, even in an ABM world. We're selling one to you know many people in that account. So we have to find the right mix of content to serve up to those people. And, you know, the beauty is when we start to do that, we see, you know, people respond. So I said I, I'd give you an example of how we do this, too. Uh, we use another uh, software platform when we do uh, retargeting a solution uh-huh. called called Terminus, uh, you know, you guys should chat with Sangram if you've never done so over there. But, uh, you know, what they do is they allow you to, you know, kind of en masse retarget people with, uh, you know, paid advertising. And when we do that here at Uberflip, what we do is we kind of customize the ad itself. Um, so we use Canva here uh, so that our, our you know, uh, demand gen team can quickly swap in uh, the logo of an account that we're targeting. But not only do we do that, but when they actually click on that, right? When they, if, if we win and we get the click through on that, then we send them to a dedicated page with all that content. Same way I told the Alicadia is doing it. I there. love that idea. We do it love there. It. It's awesome. And the, and the engagement we get 
And we're tracking all that in Marketo because our platform works in our case for Marketo or Pardot, whatever you're using. So you actually start to see, you know, what content's resonating with your audiences. And we've, we've done this at every level now. I mean, we've built tools for, for SDR and BDR teams so that they can build these streams of content themselves at scale. Um, and it's, so it's really powerful, you know, when you come back to what we talked about at the beginning, which is marketers created a crap load of content. Right. Um, most of it's pretty good. It's not crappy, but it's a lot of it. And, you know, <laughs> then the question is, how do we take all that content and actually package it up for the right people at the right time? And when we do that, you know, we get back to ROI on our content, right? Like mm -hmm. we can actually justify that content being used. And, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, you know, to, to understand the more times we use content, the same asset, the more views we're going to get in the aggregate. Yep. Interesting. So, you know, let's let's take this in a completely different direction. This is the whole lying down on the couch, you know, speaking to the uh, the therapist kind of thing. Um, <laughs> just nothing scary here. But uh, so I, I think there's a lot of people out there and, and Samir and I, you know, talk to a lot of people and you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in and reach us, reach out to us about that journey that they took to get to where they are. Um, there's a lot of people who have the same aspirations and the same passions and the same beliefs that you have, because I, I'm, I don't know whether it was one day that, you know, Randy Frisch woke up and decided I'm going to start my own company or you were forced out of something else. Or you were in a position to start to, how did this happen? How did you get here? Because I, I saw you started back in the day as a marketing manager at Rubbermaid and so on. And then you're here. This yeah. is a big change. So how did you get there? And then after that, and I'll ask you if you forget, but what's the advice that you give them? I mean, this, this, this is big yeah, for sure. people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my path's really interesting. I, I'm, I grew up amongst entrepreneurs. My grandfather, um, you know, was an entrepreneur who, you know, built a, a company that, that had tremendous value. And my father joined that and, and helped, you know, take it to that next stage along with other mm -hmm. family members. And, you know, for a long time, it was assumed that I think I, I would just go there. Um, but one of the things that, that I was really adamant about was that I wanted to go in with my own context and not have anyone think like, okay, this was, you know, just waiting here for him. So I went out and, you know, got a job on my own. And I was like, I just want to understand what like other companies are doing. And along the, the way, I, I kind of realized, you know what, I want to actually build something. And, you know, there's always a, a, a story that I look back on and it is not to say I had any bad experiences at, at Rubbermaid because it was, it was an awesome place to learn. And, and, but I was in charge. I was a product marketing manager and, and I was in charge of launching a product line and without going into details, like I went to China to source part of the product. I sold the product into Home Depot. Everything was going really well. And then the president of, you know, the, the more global group came up and I was supposed to present to him. And I'm like three minutes into my presentation is like a 24 year old kid who thought he knew everything. Um, <laughs> but it had worked really hard. And, and he goes, am I allowed to swear on this or no? Oh, sure. Go okay. He's it. like, he's like, what the fuck is this? He's like, we don't, we're not selling that product. We're not doing that. He goes, and he's looking at my boss and my box looks at me and just goes, sit down, right? He's just like, <laughs> you know, like the little like hand, like just sit down. And, you know, I leave the room and like two hours later, they come out and they're like, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And and it wasn't the fact <laughs> as to whether it was a good idea or a bad idea. 
But I was like, I really want to be in an environment where we think about these things ahead of time. And you know, that was a big shift for me. And it, it led me to, to leave the company more so just to do an MBA. And just and then I went on and, and ran an, another company that was in tech for a number of years. Um, and I, I, I realized some mistakes I made through that. You know, it was, it was a whole other experience where without going into detail again, you know, we ended up proving civil fraud, uh, you know, from a guy who sold me, a, who sold a business and, and I was involved running the business. So it was, mm-hmm. it was an experience, but then I got to the point where I was like, I, I got to do something that I enjoy. Um, and, and I had that entrepreneurial bug. I didn't want to go and join the family business. I wanted to build something, uh, you know, and, and, you know, make it something that, that would make a difference. And that's when Yov and I met. Uh, we met in 2010. He had another startup at the time. Uh, it was focused on helping media publishers. Uh, and, and we worked together for a year or so. It was really just a few of us at the time. Um, realized that there wasn't, you know, that was kind of his business and, and it, it had some success, but we didn't necessarily see that high of a ceiling. And that's when we started to kind of go to our passions, right? You know, my passion was marketing. His passion was, um, you know, kind of building for the web, as we always put it, and making the web simple and easy to use. Yep. So we, I, I think, you know, to your question, like, what's the most important? I really believe it's important to be passionate about what you do. Like, Listen, there's, like there's going to be really successful companies out there where, where someone was not passionate about it, but it just had to be solved. But it's, first of all, it's so much easier to come in every day and work on, on something that you care about. Like I told you at the beginning, I wanted to do, you know, T ads and marketing and, and yeah. things like that as a kid. So it was, it was in my blood. It was in my DNA. It was something I was dying to do. The fact that now not only do I get to, you know, be a marketer, but I get to help build software that helps other marketers. I mean, That's it's awesome. it's really a, a career dream come You're true. giving back. You're giving back. Yeah, and I, I'm selfishly really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so I got one more question, and then we'll go to our kind of our close. But um, so I'm on your website, and I'm looking at your career section. The first thing that jumps out to me is it's fun and it's quirky. You've got Jason Oakley with his pink headband, which is hilarious. <laughs> You know, um, and then you got this thing called our tribe. This is a big deal for me. So I, I have this formula that I've always used. I've been using for the past 10 years. It's this whole idea that, you know, you hire great people who create a great culture and that culture creates a great customer experience or a great product. So it all, all seems like it started with hiring the right people, hiring your tribe. So, you know, how much do you guys instill that? that passion and that culture into your hiring process. I mean, is it really, is culture really everything with you guys? Yeah. I feel like we could do a whole other podcast episode on this. Uh, (laughs) I'm a, I'm a big culture guy. I actually gave a keynote two weeks ago on, uh, it was on how, uh, what was the topic? It was brands are the, are the new bands. Right. And, uh, the idea that, you know, our brand really is something that we need to infuse into our culture. Uh, I actually gave that keynote to a whole bunch of HR professionals, nice. but, um, and it was, it's how do we, how do we turn our employees into brand ambassadors at the same time? So it's funny you talk about 
Jason wearing the, the pink headband. I mean, you yeah. know, that pink headband has an amazing story to itself. And yeah, you know, we've given out 20,000 plus of those over the last yes. number of years. And it's, you know, it's, it's almost people's way of buying in and being one of our team in this silly, fun way that, that just took off out of nowhere. But I, I think it comes back to, you know, people want to buy in, right? I mean, it's, yep. You know, you talk to people these days, at least the people we talk to for careers and, you know, money's important, but being part of something and building something is just as important, if not more sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that's great and, and it's really exciting, but it means that we have to give a framework that people can buy into, right? I mean, yes. like. I'm not an overly religious guy and I, I never went to a fraternity or, or th- things like that. But think about those types of institutions, right? You know, yep. the religions that people, you know, buy into and, and have also adapted over time are the ones that, that last, right? I mean, you know, whether you believe in, you know, 10 commandments or, or different versions of such. Uh, you know, it's, it's that idea of having values that we can uh, understand, but yep. then we have to make sure that our company as a whole or our tribe as a whole helps interpret those in ways that apply to the day to day. Right. And that's something that we really try and, and, you know, ensure here. Like what I, I, I don't know which of our values is my favorite, but one that I, I maybe turn to the most often is the ranking of culture than product than revenue. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not to say that revenue is not important. I mean, we have stakeholders and, and shareholders here who, who care, carry very much about revenue, but we find that if we put that first, then we make really bad decisions, right? And, nice. and we've all been there. It's like, oh, we got to get this deal. No matter what, we've got to get this deal. Um, change the roadmap, change our priorities. And as soon as you do that, you, you screw up the product for what it's supposed to be and what it's meant to be. And then even more so, you mess up your culture because everyone just gets frustrated, right? And we find that when we do it the opposite way, when we put culture first, um, it helps us, you know, ensure that everyone buys into the vision of what we're trying to build here. For us, that's being the number one content experience platform, right? And, uh, what that ties very much to what our product is. And if we have the right culture and the right product, not that revenue is going to, you know, sort itself out, but it's a lot easier, right? And that's kind of, you know, the types of things that we try and do from a culture perspective to make sure that our values can actually guide the business on a day to day. It sounds like a Simon Sinek limbic brain start with why concept too. So it's uh, yeah, we love that book. Uh, yeah, we actually start every meeting with why. Thanks to Simon. Yeah. Great guy. Um, so, Samir, if you want to go with uh, the closing. Sure, absolutely. No, this, the, yeah, the absolutely. So, this has been fantastic uh, uh, overview. Like, I really appreciate, Randy, you sharing so much insights for our listeners. I think oh, everyone was going to really enjoy. I, myself, am thinking of re-listening to this podcast. There's just so much in it. Uh, so, I'm going to reason to it just because I like to hear your voice, <laughs> Samir, but that's just me. You're kidding me. Okay. So no, so this is great. Uh, again, Randy, uh, really, really appreciate you joining us here. And, uh, I think it was fantastic. Like you, when I walked through your journey, you kind of walked through what Uberflip does and you kind of share a couple of different case studies and examples and then talking about your culture. Uh, it's just a full bag of things for our listeners to enjoy for a long period of time. So we really thank you for that, uh, for sharing your insights. And, you know, hopefully sometime in the near, near future, we'll probably get you on again in a much more deeper topic, topic talking about content. But this was great. And, and culture, culture too. Well. Yeah, yeah, let's definitely. do a culture one. This is great. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. And I'll, I'll throw a final call to action in because you guys – 
dated this podcast by talking about the holiday season coming up. Our team is doing such a fun campaign that I think people should check out. It's called ABM Saves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, cool. And it's all about how Santa is essentially like the best ABM marketer ever and, and needs, you know, to personalize for everyone. And it's, it's a real education on ABM nice. and, and, you know, also teaches you how content can be used within that. So, you know, check it out. You can, you know, check it out at hub.uberflip.com. Um, I, I think by the time this goes live, it, it should be live and, uh, you know, designed to bring cheer as we're saying. Looking forward to Nice. It. Love it. Fantastic. We thank you again. Um, as always to our listeners, um, you can find us on analytics today podcast.com. Feel free to keep sending us in request. Uh, last week we got a great request for a new, uh, speaker to interview and we just want to keep those coming in. And thank you, Randy. Thank you, Samir. This has been fantastic. Happy holidays to everybody. And, uh, we'll see you guys in yeah. the air. Thanks. Mm-hmm.